You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're normally going through the book of Exodus, but because of this is a holiday, a holy day, where we remember the resurrection of Jesus, we want to take that time to do so as we look at God's word, because there's a lot of scripture that actually talks about Jesus actually being here on earth, rising, uh, dying, and then rising from the dead. And so it's good to celebrate this holiday with you. Uh, if I've not met you, I'm Pastor Daniel. So excited to be able to worship God with you through his word. And it's important for us to not only celebrate, but to reflect to ponder, to study, to ask the question, man, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean? Easter is such a significant holiday because it reminds us the hope that we have in Jesus. And we need hope. We need to know that God is alive, that he is working on our behalf. And not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. Romans 1.4 tells us that Jesus was declared to be the son of God through the, his power of the resurrection. Uh, It displays his holiness, his perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross, and that not only died, but that he rose again, that he has some victory, that there's a significant thing about his life. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that because of sin, death entered into our world. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we need hope because our world is broken. Sin entered in into the world, and we have this sin nature. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us death entered into the world because of sin, but death could not hold Jesus because the Bible says he lived a sinless life. He didn't rebel against God. He submitted in all authority, coming to fulfill the law and the prophets. And I want you to understand and think about the resurrection is like a receipt. It's like a receipt. It shows us the proof of the payment. That God was pleased with Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross. And he wants us to know, he wants us to know that we could be forgiven by him, redeemed by him, and made alive through him. You see, 1 Thessalonians 4:16 teaches that the death in Christ, the dead in Christ will rise like Jesus and be with him. That the Bible says you don't just die and it's over. There's a resurrection of the dead, and you will give an account to God. And we need our sins forgiven. And those that put their faith in Jesus will actually get a new resurrected body just like Jesus rose again because he has that type of power. And he promises that type of hope to those that put their faith in him, believe in him, worship him, submit to him as Lord, as King. 1 John 3.2 says that Christians, uh, the Christian resurrection body, resurrected body will be just like Jesus' body. So it's significant for us to understand and to know and to study and to give us hope of what our future is for those that trust in Jesus, that when we die, there's something more than this life, that God promises eternal life, and we see this spiritual life right now here by the Holy Spirit, but also we will get a resurrected physical body as well. In fact, it's so significant that how we enter the kingdom of God and have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with your mouth, and that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so Easter should be something where we celebrate, where we continue to look at, because it's like one truth with many angles. And you can look at it so many different ways, but it should all be excitement, because it means that our debt of sin has been paid for by Jesus on the cross, and we have proof, a receipt, resurrection, Jesus is alive. He says, he promises things, and he says things, and they come true. 
And so it intrigues our heart, and we should see the beauty of God and the nature of God, and we should be reminded not only on Easter, but throughout our walk with the Lord of how magnificent God is and how his spirit works inside of us and transforms us, and we have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now with us as we have a relationship with him. These are all things that we study weekly. We look to the word of God, and we see how he speaks to us and having a relationship with us. And this is why I wanted sort of the theme this year just to think about Easter, about how God is not only alive in in a doctrine, but practically. As we practice and follow Jesus, he's living inside of us and the spirit is moving. And there are many in this room that can testify of how God has been gracious and merciful to us. Amen? Amen. And so when you actually submit to God, you actually see his life. Jesus said, you, when you die to yourself, you find life. There's something beautiful about the resurrection because it shows us the path is uh, suffering. It shows us submission is beautiful. Something that we all deal with, the suffering and brokenness in this world, God is able to redeem, and we see this proof through the resurrection because before the resurrection, there was a cross, and Jesus was dead, and three days later, he rose again. And you will pass from death into life, having this hope, brokenness, sin in this world. But when you put your faith in God, there will be a resurrection for us as well. This is something beautiful and exciting and amazing about. And so what I thought would be fun today is to give you a little two for one, if I could. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to have the apostle Peter preach to you. Acts chapter 2. Verses 14 through 41 is what we're going to cover. And this is Peter's first recorded ever message about the resurrection. Something that I just want to read through and walk through. You use I'm a teacher, you use I give you quotes, all that different stuff. Nope, you already got a message. So everything that I add to this message is just a little cherry on top and bonus. You're welcome. And I'm going to try to do it in half the time. Double bonus and blessing. We got a dinner to do, all right? But let me give you some background, some understanding. If you don't know who the Apostle Peter is, he was a disciple of Jesus, a guy that firsthand had experience walking with Jesus. Wasn't qualified, but what made him qualified was his availability to follow the Lord, and he experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in his life. Uh, he experienced pain and suffering and being weak as well, because the night that Jesus was crucified, the story goes, it's a well-known story, the Apostle Peter actually denied even knowing Jesus. Because he was relying on his own strength. But we don't see this type of Peter in this text. In Acts chapter 2, we see a Peter full of boldness, courage, strength, and he's standing before thousands of people proclaiming this truth that Jesus is alive. Something changed in Peter's life. It was significant and it was important. One from denying God to proclaiming God. And it was the resurrection of Jesus. It was the power of God that was now dwelling in him because Jesus met Peter after he rose from the dead and he redeemed him, he restored him and called him into this ministry and empowered him by his Holy Spirit, just like he redeems and restores and calls all of us and empowers us by the Holy Spirit to do something on this earth as well. You have been made for a purpose, and God wants you to know him, to be redeemed, to be restored, and have a ministry of reconciliation, telling other people about his goodness. But if you do it on your own strength, you will fail. That's one thing we can know from Peter. But now he's experienced the resurrection Christ, and he's preaching before thousands. Jesus was alive. Peter was testifying of this great victory. 
And in fact, this is not just one of the messages, but we read another one earlier in Acts chapter 13 that sounds almost the exact same thing by a different guy named Paul. Twelve of the 28 chapters in the book of Acts preaches uh, our messages preaching about Jesus and the resurrection and its real significance in our lives. And they would invite people to know the risen Christ, and this is the very first message that Peter preached. And he says, God is alive and God is working. God is alive and God is working. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. I'm going to have, have my head down a lot in the Bible. The words will be on the screen. We'll start with these two verses to get context. But Peter, standing with the eleven, remember the twelve disciples, lifted up his voice and addressed them, this crowd, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That gives us the context. He's arguing they're not drunk. Okay, If you know the story, this is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon and, uh, his people and empowered them. And they start speaking in tongues, native language. In verse 6, it was actually languages that people understood from all over the nation. This was a crowd coming to Jerusalem to try to worship God, but they had come from all these different countries. And now these disciples and these 120 that are in this room are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered. And they're preaching the gospel in all these different languages. And it's so crazy, it grabs people people's attention. And in verse six, it says they're bewildered. Bewildered is like excitement, but a little scared. Like it's freaky, like awesome, but sort of freaky. You ever think about that a resurrection? Like it's, it's awesome, but it's sort of freaky. Like when you deal with God and miracles and experience who he is, it, it bewilders you. And Peter now stands up and he says, God is working. This is no surprise. We aren't drunk. You're seeing a different kind of power because most people in this world experience a fleshly power a change that's temporary. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, which is a, a, a debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, a lasting change, a resurrection power that you can receive when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so verse 16 and, and 21, Peter stands up and says, this was God working as Scripture prophesied, spoke, our foretold. Verse 16 through 21, he says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This is an Old Testament book. Years ago was written. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18. Even on the male servants and the female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy, speak forth words of God. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what I love about Peter is what he's doing is bringing people to Scripture in his message, like all good messages should be. It points us to Jesus and magnifies God in such a beautiful and powerful way because it's through prophecy that God is able to, do, to display his power. He declares things before he happens. The prophet Isaiah said, how do you know that I'm God and I exist? Well, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I could declare things before they even happen and prove them to you. 
even like, I don't know, a resurrection. And so Peter is saying, this is God proving his power to you. The Holy Spirit has come. Sins are now forgiven. We have the receipt. Jesus is alive and he's moving and working in people's lives. And it was prophesied by the prophet Joel. It shows us that he isn't dead or an idol. That God is greater than any God we can imagine. And my friends, we imagine so many gods. We have idols and gods in our heart. We think this will satisfy and that will bring us hope. But they all let us down because they are dead, make-believe, and fable. God is real and he conquers them by conquering over death and the grave and declaring to us that he is the creator of all things and he is the only one. And that includes creating history so he can speak it and then he can do it. In fact, the Paul, the apostle, describes the gospel, this good news of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. He says Jesus came according to Scripture, he died according to Scripture, and he rose according to Scripture. That, that's a lot of proof all said to be filled out, like how a Messiah would come, what he would do, how he would act, how he would behave. And this was all prophesied according to Scripture, meaning that Jesus' death uh, life, death, and resurrection was all a part of God's plan. And this is what he's speaking forth to the crowd and to us today, that God is sovereign. He sent Jesus to give us eternal life and save us from the penalty of sin. And we have proof of this life through prophecy and what God has said. We have proof that this life of having a relationship with God is through his spirit. And when we submit to Jesus, when we trust in him for dying for our sins, our sins are forgiven because sin broke our relationship with God, and now we receive the Spirit of God. Now the Spirit of God transforms us and renews us and gives us gifts, and we have a relationship now with God. And this is why he says, in those days, meaning these days right now, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Peter says, God is working, and he is alive, and his plan is better than your plan. It's better than your efforts and your own ability and your own wisdom. This is how God works. Verse 22 through 24, God's plan is better than your plan. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the men attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus well, he delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and, uh, you crucified and killed by the, hands, uh, by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosening the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. In their wisdom and their plan, they killed the Son of God. In God's wisdom and his plan, he raised Jesus from the dead, which is a better plan. Now, God allowed that to happen, and he knew that this would happen for the hardness of heart because he wanted to show us the reality of sin. This is why he set up sacrificial system in the Old Testament, all these prophecies in Scripture, even being a God over Israel, so that we would know that our sin would kill Jesus. Not because Jesus deserved death, but because it was our sin that was placed upon him. For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. The text says God attested to them with mighty works and wonders and signs. 
You ever, you ever just say, God, if you gave me a sign, happy Easter. It's not about signs. You think that a miracle will save you. The Bible says it's not a miracle, it's faith. God gave you life. I don't know if you've ever studied biology, but it's a miracle that you're even alive and breathing, that you can even understand, see me, hear me, breathe. Like what made you even sleep and not die last night is incredible. It's a wonder and a sign that you're even here. It's not signs and wonders that we're saved by. It's by faith in a person. And what ends up happening is we just say, well, I want a sign, I want a sign. Yeah, the Greeks, they asked for a sign. Didn't happen. Because Jesus did these signs in their midst. These were actual people that killed Jesus and saw him feed 5,000. Saw him heal the blind. And yet most people in that day didn't believe. And why? Because the text says something there's internal. There's something spiritual to you and I. And it's our sin nature. It says it was because the lawlessness of men. Sinners that were slaves to sin. Blinded. And the Bible says that we are all blinded, are lost in our sin nature, spiritually dead, lost and blind, and it leads to corruption and death. And this is why Jesus came to seek and save the lost. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And there's something powerful when you walk in the kingdom of God in humility. The Bible says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when you acknowledge that you're sinners, that you need him, that your own plan isn't good enough or your own works aren't good enough, the Bible says he meets you in that moment with mercy and grace. So in our flesh, we want to justify ourselves. That's our plan. Justification just means to be declared righteous. I'm cool with God. I can do it. I'm a pretty good person. But only it, mean, it only leads to death because we are never good enough in God's perfection and we're never be saved by works. Meaning there's nothing that we can do to declare our lives to be righteous because we are marred by sin. Sin. We could only be saved by the work of Christ because he is the only one that lived a perfect life. And this is why Peter says God raised him up. He loosened the pangs of death. He did die, but he had to loosen them because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by them because he was perfect. He, he laid himself down and he could raise himself up. Because of sin, death entered the world, but Jesus lived a life that had no sin, so death could not hold him down. He was the truly and only righteous one, and this was a part of God's plan for us to trust and his work on the cross, and not to look at anything else, including our own efforts. Because in their own efforts, they killed the Son of God. And in our own efforts, we kill ourselves. We we die to sin. We are enslaved to sin. We're trapped. We're condemned. God's plan is a better plan than our plan. Again, because God is alive and working, he foretold of this glorious plan through the prophet David. So he starts quoting Joel, now he's quoting David in verse 25 through 31. For David says concerning him, speaking of Jesus, this king, this Messiah, this risen king, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades 
or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Yes, Christians do die. David died. David wasn't talking about himself. He was prophesying in verse 30. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. God spoke about the resurrection of Christ through David, through Joel, and you know what? It's all over Scripture. And it's beautifully, profoundly all over Scripture. Like as an artist, like did you know the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? And it was on the third day that there was ever life on this earth. It was a cue to us. Vegetation. Spring forth life. How do you get new life? You sow a seed in the ground and life comes up. And it was on the third day that points to a later resurrection that would give us life. Or like this story and even movie right now about Abraham sacrificing his son. Hebrews eleven nineteen tells us that there's this story of Isaac. He's a type of the resurrection and Abraham believed that God would raise him up. He believed that God would give life and can give life. So even in our death and when we surrender our lives, he would give us back our lives. He would do cool things like stories of Job and his suffering, great suffering, a man of many sorrows. He didn't curse God. And the Bible says he didn't curse God because he believed that God was on the move, had a plan for his life, and he had a trust in him. And you know what Job says got him through all of his drama, all of his sorrow and stress. It was the resurrection, the cue of things to come. Job 19 says, for I know that my redeemer lives and in the last day he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet my flesh, I shall see him. Okay. These are like cues. Like when Jesus came on the scene in Matthew chapter 12 and spoke of Jonah, how Jonah, this prophet, was in the belly of a fish and three days later, resurrected into life and had a message and people repented. He said, I'm a greater Jonah. I'm greater Isaac. I'm a greater life. And he does this thing that weaves in and points all scripture to Jesus. In fact, Jesus, after he rose again, he met some prophets and they were saying, man, this is crazy. And they were going and Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? He's like, have you not heard? This great Messiah, Jesus, he died and now everyone's sorrowful. And he goes, man, that's crazy because how I interpret scripture, I think he's going to rise again. And he gives this crazy Bible story, and he goes from all the stories and the prophets, he expounds to them about Jesus through all the scripture, and then God's opened his eyes, and they recognize it was him. And the text says the disciples said, didn't, didn't my heart burn within them as he was speaking? As he was speaking that Jesus would be alive? Sometimes we read scripture, and we read these Old Testament stories, and we're like, wow, that is, that's crazy. Like, God, God, set up this story to illustrate this thing years ago and for us to have hope now 2,000 years later. But listen, there aren't just cues and little stories or types or illustrations in the Bible. There are specific prophecies that Jesus would die and rise again. Like, not only specific, but specifically by Jesus. Matthew 12, 38 through 40. 
Mark 8, 31. Mark 9, 31. Mark 10, 33 through 44. John 2, 18 through 22. These are all passages that speak Jesus saying, I am going to Jerusalem. I am going to die. Three days later, I am going to rise again. And the Bible says the disciples did not understand it because who understands miracles until they happen? They were just, they couldn't comprehend. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gave revelation and now all of scripture is pointing to Jesus. So Peter's like, forget even what Jesus, you, you clearly heard, you saw the signs, the wonders, his teaching. He spoke all about this all the time. Did you know that Joel said it? Did you know that David said it? He's proting right now Psalm 16 and how God would not let his holy one see corruption. And he says, this speaks about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Your whole life should be about Jesus. This is the greatest story ever. His plan is so magnificent and beautiful. Verse 31 says, He, David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And this is why the text points us, and he, Peter concludes his message by saying, God has exalted Jesus through the resurrection. It's not just a theory, but God literally has raised Jesus up for us to worship him and to look to him. In verse 32 through 36, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, because of this, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You see, Jesus is alive. God is alive. He always is working. Even when our plan thinks that it's dead, that it's done, that it doesn't make sense, God has a greater plan than our plan, and he could still move and restore and redeem. No matter what death and corruption and brokenness has come into your world, God can redeem it. And he has done that through the exaltation of Jesus, making him Lord and Savior above every other name, including us. When we surrender to this great name, God wants us to magnify, to worship, to submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this pleased God to exalt Jesus because he humbled himself being fully God, coming coming as a man to die for our sins, Philippians 2 says, to bring us salvation. And Peter says, they were witnesses of this. They saw his majesty of this beautiful reality and truth, a resurrected Christ. They walked with Jesus. They saw him die. They saw him alive again. Jesus would later appear to one of the disciples. He's known as Thomas. Some of you all call him Doubting Thomas because he had some doubts. He's like, yeah, right. I want to see it for myself. But in John chapter 20, God graciously came. Jesus appeared to them and told Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. In fact, the resurrection... And the death and burial of Jesus is so significant that all four gospel writers write a significant portion of this account, his death, his burial, his resurrection in their gospels. They want us to know that Jesus actually lived, he actually died, and he actually rose again. God wants to make sure that we all know tonight that Jesus actually lived, he actually died, and he actually rose again. 
because God has exalted Jesus. And so we are to exalt Jesus. So Jesus appeared to not only the 12 disciples, but in fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says he appeared to over 500 people at one time. He gave us proof. There are scholars of the day that aren't believers like Josephus that would tell us this man Jesus died and then he rose again. There are testimonies, not of these disciples, but even other disciples that could have disputed, that were murderers of the church. I don't know, one like Saul in Acts chapter 9, who the risen King Jesus appeared to him, and he was forever changed, becoming a leader of the Christian church. And Jesus still appears to people today as the risen King. This is why this is nuts, because he takes broken people like you and me, and all he does is appear to us, give us grace, and we transform We don't try harder or do better. The King Jesus, the Lord of all, comes to us in his mercy and says, you can have a relationship with me if you call upon my name. I will forgive your sin. I will place my spirit inside of you, and I will make you new and redeem you. You can have purpose. You can have a plan for your life. You can actually know me. And it transforms people. It transforms people in Delray Beach, in this community, and all over the world. Millions upon millions of people. And it's a process. And these Christians, man, they're something else, aren't they? They ain't perfect at all. They're, in fact, jacked up. Matter of fact, some of the reasons I think God is so glorious and beautiful is because all the criticisms and critiques that I have of the church and how messed up people are. And God still loves us. God still saves us. Because it's not about our own efforts and our own works. It's about a submission to him. And when we do that, his resurrection power promises to raise us up, not our own efforts. So you don't have to be a group of perfect people to be saved and redeemed and have eternal life. You have to be a group of sinners saved by grace that admits that you need a savior and exalt Jesus to be Lord as well. And when you do, the same Jesus that rose, uh, the same God that rose Jesus from the dead will raise us from the dead. He's exalted, he's worshiped, he's risen. And so the Lord ascended in the clouds, like Acts chapter one, verse nine says, and he is with God at his right hand. And he will descend and rule again. He's gonna rule and reign and come back. He promised to. He promised to give eternal life. This Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's a risen king, he's exalted and he's mighty and one that God told us to worship. In fact, Jesus said he's not just a teacher or prophet. He's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one should come to the Father except through him, that he is God in flesh, Emmanuel, risen and exalted. And the Lord said to my Lord, the text says, sit at my right hand until I have made your enemies your footstool. You will either be with him ruling and reigning or be his enemy, opposing him. And this is why the gospel message is so important. This is what we need to be reminded of. We cannot be lukewarm. We can either be right or left. We're going to be for him or against him. Verse 36 says, So let all the house of Israel, and let the whole world, let us, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now in verse 37 through 41, the end of Peter's message is a response the people had to this message And this should be a picture of application for us as well. Verse 37 through 41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means convicted. 
They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The people, the text says, were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They were told to repent and to believe, to have a change of mind, to put their trust in something, to place their trust in Christ and Jesus as their Lord, their King, their Savior, And if they did that, Peter said, you would have forgiveness of sin and you would receive the Spirit and have eternal life. Now, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 reminds us that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is faithful to keep all of his promises to all of his people. And Peter does something very significant here. He doesn't just say it's for you, but he says it's for every generation, far off even. This promise wasn't just for them, but for all who receive Jesus and turn to him for salvation, receive eternal life. For the gospel of John, another disciple of Jesus said in John 1, 12, for all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you believe and receive Jesus, you have a right, you have an inheritance. The Bible says all spiritual blessing is found in him. This risen king, that he will faithfully give you eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This was the significance of the cross. This is what happened on the cross. God's wrath was poured upon Jesus for your sin and for my sin so that we wouldn't have to have a punishment when we die. For is for uh, Hebrews tells us it's appointed for us to live once and then go to judgment and be judged by God himself. And God has given Jesus this great authority to say you can forgive, you can die for these people, you can save them. And Jesus' names mean God is salvation. We have to go to God for salvation. We will all give an account. But for those that are in Christ, God sees us as righteous because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There was a debt that we had to pay and the debt was paid by Jesus on the cross. And this is why the resurrection is so significant because it shows us The debt was complete. Jesus screamed it out from the cross to Telestai, it is finished. My God, my God, why did you forsake me? You separated yourself from me. You poured that. And the first John says, this was the demonstration of God's love, that Christ was crucified. He was pleased by this sacrifice, this atonement for you and I. Theologians call it a great exchange. We actually can be right before God when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Peter said with many more words about this truth. I love that, right? It's not just an Easter message. There's many more words that speak about this truth. We're always going back to this truth, the gospel. There there is no other good news. We center our lives around what Jesus says 
and does and who he is and the beauty of him as we look to scripture week after week, disciples just following Jesus, seeing his beauty. The message never changed, but the glory of God just is revealed from glory to glory as we enter in from faith to faith. We receive grace to grace and we walk with our God full of grace and truth and we just glory at this. And so Peter says, with many more words, he bore witness about this Jesus and about his death and the resurrection and eternal life. And yet we're told people respond with the words they received from the Spirit on that day. They didn't know everything. I'm so glad as a Christian I don't need to know everything. But the end of the Gospel of John says, but these things were written so that we would know enough to believe in his name so that we can have eternal life. And it says eternal life was given. 3,000 souls responded. And the Bible says today if we repent, for I know there's many people today that have been repenting and believing. The Bible says they're saved. You can be saved. Repent. Turn. That's it. Make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. This is why it really is good news. Because God really is alive and, and working. He's not like a false idol or some religion or something you think is really like, is it going to work? He is a person, and his plan is better than your plan. Not for you to trust in your own self, but for you to trust in what he has done. And guess what? When you exalt Jesus as God exalted Jesus, you will have eternal life. And you will be raised just like Christ was raised. And now at the right hand of God, interceding for us in our midst as we gather, glorified, and this is the gospel we proclaim to the world. This is the hope, and this is what we celebrate as a church family. And before Jesus went to the cross, he actually instituted and told us to remember him in a physical way through communion to receive grace. For the bread represents his body that was beaten for us, his blood that was shed for us. And Jesus told us not only to remember his death, but that he would come again. He instituted communion before he died and rose again because he knew he was going to die and he knew he was going to rise again and he knew he was going to come back. And so when we take communion, we don't just remember the sacrifice he put on the cross, but we also remember that he's alive and he's moving in our midst and he's sealed us by the spirit and he's coming back for us as the church. So we actually glory and we look to communion and the sacrifice and look at a Friday and say, this is good. And look that it's bloodshed that say, this is power because there is no other name that can be save us. We need the power, the resurrection power of God to raise us as well. And so we repent, we believe, we praise God, and we celebrate. Happy Easter. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's something that should make us smile, to rejoice, to party, even to, you know, buy a new shirt at Walmart and just preach at you. You know, I mean, come on. Don't act like Walmart's not good enough for you. Come on, people. And so we're going to celebrate. We're going to take communion. Worship team, if you want to come on up. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to praise God, lift our hands, sing. And we're going to pass out communion. We have the elements here. Pastor Robin will put those in the back table. I know there's a lot of us. It's going to get all messy and stuff. Some churches, they, they organize. We've never been uh, big enough to do that. So we just say, by faith, you go in the back and you receive. Because this is something that personally you do. This is something for Christians. And the Bible says the amazing thing about this is there is no like membership class. Literally, those people were for all over the nations. They got saved in an instant that moment when they believed. The Bible says that you can take communion today even if you were rebelling against God for your entire life. You don't have to be a member of this church. You could just realize the words that you just received and you can say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. I, I, I was a, a sinner, a murderer, a, a horrible person. I did all this different stuff. 
And I realize I need your bloodshed. I need to give an account, and I'm not good enough. I need you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Jesus said, take it, eat, drink. This is my body beaten for you. This is my blood shed for you. Receive. There is grace for us. Stop trying to do it better off of your own self and your own efforts. Just come to Jesus. And the Bible says when people come to Jesus in this way, all of heaven rejoices. There is a reality that changes in your heart when you believe in the Lord Jesus. All that call upon the name shall be saved. You become immediately saved. You don't even have to wait until you die and be rise again because the Spirit of God comes inside of you and you have a relationship with Jesus right now. And this is what should fill our hearts and make us as Christians a people of thanks because we are sinners saved by grace. And every week we come together, partake in communion, realizing what he has done, what he is doing in our lives, and what he will do because he is the king, he's exalted. So we look to his word, it builds our faith, and we trust in him and we rejoice. Let's pray, let's partake, and as we just celebrate this moment, know that salvation is for us and all who call upon the name of the Lord. It's not just even those that celebrate Easter. It's as we walk through those doors and we proclaim this to the good news, it will change your family's life, it will change your friend's life, it will change the world, and it has and it started in all of our lives first. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your gospel. We bless your name. We thank you for what you've done, God. We pray, Lord, that for those listening, whether it be online or in the room, that they would repent and believe. We pray for salvation to go forth, that, Lord, in the heart of men, that you would convict, and not just to feel bad, but, Lord, to repent, to believe, to turn to you for help. You are known as Savior, so we worship you today as Savior. We recognize, God, that this is a holy day, a happy day. It fills our hearts with joy to know, God, that you want us to remember the work that you've done, not only dying but rising again, and you will come back again. So we want to celebrate. We want to sing. We want to rejoice and just say hallelujah, praise your name for the work that you've done, and we just bless you today. And Lord, so I pray that we would uh, give our lives a living sacrifice back to you, respond. If those are in this room that need Jesus, you just call upon the name of the Lord. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Partake in communion with us. Repent. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Worship him, and you will be saved. And for those that have done that, I pray that there would be a new fire, and the Holy Spirit would empower us today to realize that we have the resurrection power to preach the good news of the gospel to the whole world to our friends, our family, to strangers. God, you are sovereign over all. We submit to your plan and we thank you for that. So may we respond appropriately. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement, it was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you and thank you so much for listening.